This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Wednesday, December 15th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning across America on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. Great to be with you. On Wednesdays, we always pray to St. Joseph. Go to Joseph, the patron of the Universal Church. I want to check in with my colleague, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, what are a few of the stories making headlines this morning? Well, John, you had a great interview with uh, Bishop Medley from Owensboro, Kentucky in the last hour, and folks can access that uh, throughout the day at relevantradio.com. But uh, speaking of the, the devastation there with that tornado outbreak last weekend, uh, and so many people lost their lives, uh, 17,000 homes still without power, and uh, many homes not there anymore with uh, just... Uh, Hundreds, if not thousands, of buildings and structures are completely flattened in that area. But yet, church, John, still went on. The power grid and the water supply for the town are destroyed. And so some of them may have to relocate as well. But it was a marvelous manifestation of faith that here, just hours after such a storm, they were gathering to, to express their faith and to praise God. And that, John, was in a, a neighboring parish, and, uh, you know, uh, the great faith uh, continues there. And uh, in the interview as well, the bishop mentioned that Pope Francis praying for the folks so uh, affected in, in Kentucky. Absolutely. We are all uh, with the people of Kentucky and uh, all the other states that have been affected by these tornadoes, but Kentucky especially. We're praying for them and, and uh, we're trying to help in whatever way we can. If someone feels compelled to donate to Catholic Charities or the American Red Cross, uh, or they can go to the Diocese of Owensboro, uh, Kentucky, and uh, they'll take you through the process of how to donate because there's a lot of financial help that's needed. Lots of prayers that are needed for these people who are suffering so much uh, here uh, right before Christmas. It's just uh, heart-wrenching, especially seeing the images of the candlelight procession last night, uh, the little children holding the candles, uh, the images uh, of these homes that have been uh, absolutely annihilated. Uh, as I've been saying, uh, it, it looks like, a, like, a, like a, a bomb went through all these neighborhoods. It's just unbelievable. It certainly does. And uh as unusual as a tornado is this time of year, uh, there are uh, potential uh, severe storms in the forecasts for late this afternoon and this evening for parts of the upper Midwest, so parts of southern Minnesota that uh, had, as part of that same storm system last weekend, over a foot of snow, uh, potential straight-line winds up to 70 miles an hour today, and uh, chances for tornadoes that uh, weather can affect uh, parts of Iowa, Wisconsin, and northern Illinois uh, later tonight as well. And so just uh, unusual weather for this time of year. want to keep uh, folks safe regarding that and uh, keep folks definitely in prayer in uh, Arkansas and Illinois and uh, parts of Missouri as well as uh, Tennessee and Kentucky, of course, hit so hard last weekend, too, as they rebuild. And one other note, um, the commander-in-chief, uh, President Biden, is scheduled uh, to visit uh, Kentucky today. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, taking off pretty soon to, to get a look firsthand at the devastation there and uh, freeing up federal funds as well to help with relief. Thanks so much, Glenn. And we continue uh, to pray uh, for the people of Kentucky. We start every hour in prayer, praying to our Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, uh, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we continue to invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the playbook of life as we do every day is from John 14, 6. Jesus the Lord says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one name and only one way to be saved. Go to the Father and have Christmas, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to Christmas Day. This is what it's all about, Christ's Mass. Jesus is the reason for the season, so let's make room for Jesus in our hearts the rest of this Advent season. Pray with great confidence always, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, Program triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Now, some biblical scholars believe that there are more than 300-plus prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. These prophecies are specific enough that the mathematical probability of Jesus fulfilling even a handful of them, let alone every single one of them, is staggering, improbable, if not impossible. If you take just only eight of those prophecies, uh, the prospect that anyone would satisfy those eight prophecies is just one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a lot of zeros, absolutely staggering. I wanna share a scripture with you uh, that really uh, ties in uh, to what we're talking about from Isaiah 9, 6, and we hear it in mass here in Advent. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now joining us with much more on the Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ is our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and of course a regular contributor to Morning Air and Relevant Radio. Good morning, Father Tyone. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, it's great to be with you once again. And likewise, and thanks for the thanks for the welcome, and hello to everyone out there as we kind of perfect topic to get ready for for Christmas Day that's almost upon us. So it's great to uh, look at the roots of how how Christ came to be born for Christmas. So great, great, great idea, uh, Father Tyone. I've always found uh, this topic to be fascinating. Uh, there are hundreds, hundreds, uh, anywhere between three hundred and and well over four hundred prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, and many of them have to do uh, with the the birth of Jesus. And yet, only one divine person in the history of all humanity fulfilled every single one of them. Uh, the odds are absolutely. Uh, <laughs> 
unbelievable. What goes through your mind when you hear about this? Well, you're right. It's only God. It's a fascinating thing, and I think for, for cradle Catholics or Christians that have always known Christ is God, we celebrate his birthday, we, we forget the extraordinary, incredible reality of what we're talking about here, these these prophecies about what the Messiah, where he would come from, what would happen, how it would be fulfilled. And the Old Testament, once you see it, it's sort of like when you look at a, you know, sometimes you have these things, people give you a, a visual challenge, you, you you know, you look at an image and something's hidden it, and you can't see it, can't see it, then you see it, and all of a sudden you can't not see it once you see it. And I think this is for the scriptures, it's the same thing. We look at the Old Testament, and all of a sudden, once you see the connections you're talking about, you, you just, you can't help but see Christ in the Old Testament. And I think that's, that's the beauty of this, that's the promise of this, and it's extraordinary. And, and that's why, of course, the Church gives us certain readings, Old Testament readings are matched with the Gospels, especially in Advent. It's all the fulfillment of all the prophecies. So pay attention even at Mass. Sometimes the link is there that we, we miss it. Why is this Old Testament given with this Gospel this Sunday? And oftentimes it's because of this link we're talking about, the fulfillment of incredible amount of in no one, no one, unless he was God, could possibly fulfill all these prophecies at the same time in the ways that Christ did. So it's it's another validation that Jesus is God, and uh, the particular place the Jewish people have in preparing the way for him, and, and uh, there's nothing, no more great Advent reflection than, than helping the Old Testament get us ready to celebrate Christ coming in the New Testament for Christmas. So it's it's extraordinary. I heard um, a while back, uh, I believe it was from a, uh, a Protestant uh, uh, minister uh, who said that if you took uh, quarters and laid them down across the state of Texas, uh, and, and this was, would be two feet deep, and uh, marked just one of those quarters, and then asked somebody who's blindfolded to find the one quarter that is marked out of two feet of quarters all across the whole state of Texas. That is the equivalent of the odds of one person fulfilling all of those prophecies that only our Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled. I mean, that really kind of gives you a mental image. No, it's a, it's a great, because I, I think unless we're biblical scholars, and I'm not a true biblical scholar, and with what you're, it's a great analogy. It, it's, it's beyond imagination, beyond comprehension, and extraordinarily real. Uh, what we're talking about, and and I just find it is, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of a. I, I think it's something we need to delve into a little more too before Christmas. It's something that that we can all do a little research on because it'll it'll blow your mind away at how the Old Testament points all to Christ. And and again, once once we put the Christ glasses on, we look at the Old Testament so differently because we see Christ and all these prophecies in there. And all of a sudden, and you the one you just read at the top of the hour here, the Isaiah, uh, you know things. Hosea, out of Egypt, I called my son, all, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, this little tiny little place, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And it wasn't planned out, right? We know that it was a the census and all these other historical things happened. Uh, you know, Joseph and Mary didn't plan to have the baby in a stable in Bethlehem when she became with child. Like, this just happened, and we look back and we see the fulfillment, the incredible uh, alignment of of finding that quarter and uh we we can see the quarter amidst the millions of them <laughs> we can see it when we see it and uh it's it's such a gift to actually it's it's sort of incredulously beautiful because it it links together it makes sort of the whole puzzle of the old testament new testament picture a big puzzle and all of a sudden someone puts the pieces together for you and you look down you see the old testament 
there's no pieces missing. All of a sudden, Christ makes all the pieces go together, make this beautiful painting of salvation that, that is in the Scripture. The Scriptures are extraordinary, how, how it all works. Just amazing amazing reality. It really is, uh, Father Marcel. And uh, I got to tell you that uh, I am not a biblical scholar, like you said, you're not one either, but uh, I'm a former sportscaster. So imagine the Lord took me out of that sportscasting world uh, to to bring the good news, the gospel to as many people here through through the media. And so uh, for me, it's just a matter of just loving uh, the Word of God, loving the scriptures and studying them on my own. And I mean, I've I've just seen with my own eyes all of these prophecies that are so undeniable, and I just wanted to go over just a, a few of them with you and uh, and, and get your take. Um, for example, uh, the prophecy that the nations would be blessed by Abraham's lineage, and, and we see that uh, prophecy uh, in uh, Genesis 12, 3, the nations will be blessed through Abraham's lineage, and when then we see the fulfillment of it uh, in the book of Acts, in the third chapter, uh, we see, uh, and uh, you are heirs of the prophets of the covenants uh, God made with your fathers. Uh, and, and it goes on to explain in great detail uh, th- that prophecy being fulfilled. And that's just a one of just a, a few that I wanted to go through here um, uh, during our time. It's, it's excellent. You're right. So I think, you know, maybe I don't know if there's a, a place or will you post these on the website for Relevant Radio? I'm curious, I think people are going to want to see what you're talking about because it's amazing just to really see these crossover things, and I think, I think once we see them, we see them, and I think it, it, it'd be a great reflection for us what you're reading to read, sort of side by side the these links of prophecy. I don't know if such a book exists. Again, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm going to go look for one after this program because now I'm excited to find out. Would love to see the the crossovers, the links uh, right in front of me to be able to study and pray with those myself. But you bring up that one from Acts, right? So the links between the New Testament and the Old Testament, and everything correlates exactly to what Jesus did, to what he preached, to how he lived, he died, he was raised up. All of it is a fulfillment uh, of the Old Testament. It's it, just extraordinary. Yeah, they're, uh, they're found, and I'm sure there's there's many articles and stories uh, about this this issue of uh, the prophecies fulfilled uh, from the Old Testament by, by Jesus, but um, there's a, a very interesting article at JesusFilm.org, and JesusFilm.org, and in fact, it's it's actually called 55 Old Testament Prophecies About uh, Jesus. So uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if Gabby sent you uh, the actual prophecies. Um, I, I found them, uh, in, you know, incredible. I mean, when, when, when you see uh, time and time again, all the different things that, that were uh, prophesized, um, the, the fact that God's covenant with Isaac uh, and his ancestors would be fulfilled. Uh, we see that that fulfilled uh, in the New Testament. St. Paul writes about it in Romans 9. Um, the uh, the fact that uh, God blessed the nation through Jacob's offspring, uh, we see that fulfilled uh, in the Gospel of Luke in the third chapter. Uh, Jacob is a part of Jesus' genealogy, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, son of Terah, the son of Nahor. And again, those are just, uh, just a couple of a- examples. I-, I think the ones that really... Um, you know, are more familiar are uh, the ones that we see uh, regarding uh, the actual birth.
birth of Jesus. For example, this is one that we that we see in Mass, the prophecy that the Virgin will uh, call uh, his son Emmanuel, God with us, and how it's fulfilled. We see that in Isaiah 7, 14. We see it during Advent. And then we see it fulfilled in the Gospel of Luke right off the first chapter when the angel uh, answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Very compelling uh, evidence, uh, Father Tyone. Well, it is, and even, of course, right, so the prophecy of even what the name of Jesus would be the Messiah was, was prophesied in the Old Testament. And I, you bring up a good point. The beginning of Matthew's Gospel that's geared more towards the Jewish audience, uh, there's a long genealogy there, and it's one of the options for Christmas Eve Mass, and I'll be honest with you, it's kind of long. It's, you know, Hedekiah, son of Zedekiah, all these names that are sort of tongue twisters, but in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that the Messiah would come from the house of David. And you have this enormous genealogy, like 16 generations, 16 generations. And it says, and born of Joseph of the house of David. And really, it's so important, the prophecy being fulfilled, that the Messiah would come from David's house, from Joseph. Hence, Joseph gets brought into the, the scene and, and the salvation history of, of ourselves. And But it's even that, I find it's amazing the Church raises up the fulfillment of that prophecy on Christmas Eve. Again, I, I always want to use it, but it's so long, and you wonder if people really understand, you know, what we kind of use, maybe more of the traditional gospel. But even that there, the, that the fact that the Church spotlights on Christmas Eve the option of, of just showing the fulfillment of that one prophecy, that he'll come from the house of David. And it's an, it's an extra, it's right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. If people listening haven't read that, it's, a, it's really a Christmas gospel, and it's part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ and, and of his uh, his his uh, St. Joseph that we just obviously invoke every Wednesday. So perfect time to, to read that scripture and, and see that link between the Old Testament, the New, and, and the prophecy of the house of David. So Every every one of these can kind of blow you away. I find it's very they, they it's very are they are blow you away. It's it's truly uh, amazing. Uh, the Jewish people understood that the Messiah had to be of the seed of Abraham, a uh, son of Isaac, a uh, son of Jacob, of the tribe of Judah, of the family of Jesse, of the house of David, as you as you just said, Father. Um, again, only one person, one divine person in the history of all humanity fulfilled every single one of these prophecies. And as I've said, there are hundreds of them. One scholar says there's 455, I think it is, uh, prophecies, every single one fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, truly amazing. And I do recall, I remember once I saw an amazing video on Alpha, if I should have thought of it before this program even, but there's a great Alpha video about all this. It's all about the Bible. Is it credible? And it explains the prophecies, how exactly what you're talking about. It sets it up in this amazing video. It shows you the number of fulfillments in this amazing video they have. And I remember that blew me away. And I, here I was studying in seminary all these years, preaching the gospel. But I'd never seen it sort of confronting me like we are in this article this morning in our conversation. It's, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a holy, amazing, mind-blowing confrontation of, of, of existence of why Jesus is who he is. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So I just recall that, too, as another tool like this article. But I found they did a great job with that as well. 
How about uh, this prophecy uh, that the Christ uh, would be born in Bethlehem? Again, this is the Old Testament prophecy from the book of Micah. Uh, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, uh, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And then uh, we see the fulfillment um, in um, Matthew, a second chapter, verses 4 through 6. Uh, Father, if I may just share real quick. Uh, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. That's Matthew uh, 2, verses 4 through 6. Again, just another example of uh, the many, many prophecies uh, fulfilled only in our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the baby of Bethlehem. You think how many years before Christ's birth was that prophecy of Beth- again Bethlehem, an out of the way podunk little town, so little, so unimportant, so not in the empire, so not noticed, and and of course Bethlehem itself means what? It means house of bread, um, and another even a pointing, you know, a foreshadowing even of the Eucharist that Christ would feed us from the trough, right? He becomes our bread, house of bread. Um, every tabernacle is that divine bread. Of his body, and I, it's amazing. Again, there's no, there's no. It's not just a coincidence that Christ was born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied in the Old Testament in a way that, again, no one could have planned this to happen, even if they tried. This was pre-GPS, pre-social media, pre-anything. There was, there was no way that anyone, unless he was God, could could make this so beautiful and so perfect and so fulfilling. I love that word, fulfilling the Old Testament. So not. Not finishing, but fulfilling. It's a great word. It's a Catholic word. And that's what we get. We have faith. We get fulfilled by Christ's salvation. And and we see the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus. So it's a great word for Advent, too. Seeing the fulfillment of all the promises, and really prophecies are promises that God made, right? So these are the answering, the fulfilling of all the promises he made to his people that kept the faith. So we're just so, what a great insight, uh, hopefully, for all of us today to deepen our preparation for the Lord. The uh, New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is fulfilled in the New. I believe that's a saying that goes way, way back to the early church. Uh, Father Tyon, just a final thought. You know, uh, from Isaiah 9-6 that I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, for to us a child is born, uh, to us a son is given, and a government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, that right there shows the divinity of the Messiah. Everlasting. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, another one of the many names of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this hidden in Isaiah 9-6. We have so much that we can meditate on to prepare ourselves for the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus, the little baby of Bethlehem, Jesus the Lord. Amen. Well, no no better way to end the segment. I think that's amazing. And uh, praise Christ. And uh, we're just... So grateful that everything's been fulfilled, and now we need to discover that, rediscover it, and, and take it to prayer. Father, can you give us uh, a Christmas, an Advent uh, blessing here for our listeners here this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for pointing us this morning to the Old Testament prophecies and promises, and we know that you always fulfill your promise 
as you have given us the Christ, fulfill us this Christmas, that we might be fulfilled with the presence of the divine Savior, Jesus our Lord. Bless every listener to this program, and bless all the staff and those that make this possible, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, uh, Father Tyone. A joy to be with you. Uh, I'm taking a few weeks off at the end of the year, so I will not be seeing you till uh, 2022, but uh, Merry Christmas to you. Well, Merry Christmas. Thanks for all you do. Thanks. Thanks so much. Our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and a Relevant Radio regular contributor. We need to take a short time out when morning air continues. Uh, Professor Harry Kramer, professor of management and strategy at Kellogg School of Management, will be with us to talk about the benefits and the impact of spending three days in silence in a silent retreat to build a deeper relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with us. This is going to be a fascinating conversation straight ahead as Morning Air continues. Today's programming sponsored in part by St. Gregory Recovery Center. More information about their Catholic-centered recovery from substance abuse is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. beautiful silent night holy night that's what it's all about welcome back to morning air i'm john morales along with glenn leverance thanks so much for joining us this morning our number if you want to be part of the program part of our conversation 888-914-9149 I want to talk about the power of silent retreats. Uh, This year of 2021 is is coming to an end. Only have a couple of weeks left here. We're at the middle of the month. Perhaps uh, we were able to accomplish some of our uh, personal goals, our business goals. But what about our spiritual goals? What about our spiritual life? Did we spend time with our Lord Jesus in prayer this past year? Here is a uh, possible uh, resolution for next year. Go on a silent retreat. Yes, we're going to talk about silent retreats. I want to share a couple of scriptures that I think uh, tie in perfectly. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And Exodus 14.14 says, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Powerful reminders of the power of silence. Joining us now with much more perspective on the benefits and impact of spending three days in silence to build a a deeper relationship with our Lord is our regular contributor, Professor Harry Kramer. Uh, Professor uh, Kramer is a professor of uh, management and strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and is an executive partner with Madison Dearborn Partners, one of the largest private equity firms in the United States. Good morning. Good morning, Professor Harry. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Happy Advent. 
Happy Advent, John. Great, great to be with you. Great to be with you. This is a fascinating uh, uh, topic uh, that we're going to um, break open here this morning. Uh, in fact, uh, I understand you just came back from your uh, annual three-day silent Jesuit retreat uh, up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, how was that experience? I'll tell you, John, it, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. We're all running around, as you said. We've all got a million things to do. We're all sort of crazed with everything. To take some time to turn off all the noise, get off by yourself, and really, really take the time, just like in the two readings you just did, to spend time with, with Christ in silence, of actually listening, to think through, you know, what are my values? What's my purpose? What, what is Jesus calling me to do uh, as a Christian? And uh, I tell you, I've been doing this now for more than 35 consecutive years, John, and I, I always go at the beginning of December um, because right around that time, everybody starts running around with, you know, Christmas trees and lights and everything else, all, all nice. But I think sometimes we're such in such panic running around, we don't really focus. What does it really mean for, for the coming of Christ into our lives on, on December 25th? Professor Harry, uh, you've been doing this for a long time, 35 years, uh, every year without missing um, in a silent retreat. That, that's, that's quite a, a record, uh, my goodness. Uh, what was it like when you first started doing these silent retreats? How difficult was it? How tough was it, uh, the idea of being silent for three whole days? You know, the, the first time it was, it was really tough. I was, uh, I was dating a, a young woman that I had met up at Lawrence University, and her father had said, hey, we need to spend a little time together. I want you to come up to Minnesota. And uh, I went up there not knowing exactly what was going to happen. And he said, we're, we're going to uh, take you on a retreat. And I said, well, what's a retreat? He said, well, you'll find out. You'll think a, a little bit of uh, your values and your purpose. He said, but I ought to tell you something before we start. And I said, what's that? It's a, it's a silent retreat. And I thought, what does that really mean? He said, you can't keep quiet for three minutes. You're not going to be talking for the next three days. And then I obviously asked myself, how much do I like this guy's daughter, right? So I... I ended up doing it, John, and it was just, it was an amazing experience. I mean, to literally stop talking, to literally with, with 65 men, a bell would ring every three hours. The Jesuit would give you something to think about, something to reflect on, some, some reading from, from the Bible. And then you would either sit down in the, in the chapel, you'd take a long walk along the lake, and you'd literally think through, what does that really mean in my life? And at the end of it, they said, well, this shouldn't be a one-time occurrence. You should spend 15 minutes a day doing a personal self-examination built, uh, built on uh, St. Ignatius spiritual exercise. And I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll do that for 15 minutes. I'll do it for a while. Well, I've done it for 15 minutes, John, uh, for the last 35 years. And then the end of the story, I, I ended up marrying his daughter. And wherever I am in the world, and I'm usually traveling at least two or three days a week, um, for the last now 35 years, no matter where I am in the world, that first week of December, I go to uh, to Lake Elmo, Minnesota, and go to the, the Jesuit Retreat House, which I have to say, John, uh, I like to talk a lot. That is the three most important days of my life. And as I was mentioning to a couple of business folks, in any of our jobs, John, I'm sure in yours, you, you take a little bit of time to think about strategically where are you going, where's your organization going, and then you sort of do your operational check-ins. And I thought, well, you do that for companies. Why wouldn't you do that for your own life? Why wouldn't you at least once a year think through, hey, if I've got another couple of years, what could I do to be a better Christian, a better father, a better mother, a better spouse, a better neighbor, um, and then do, a, do a, a short check-in every day of operationally, well, how am I doing? 
what's going well, what isn't going well, what should I change, and to literally take some quiet time to get away from the noise to figure out the difference between activity and productivity. And I, I always ask the students, John, and I ask executives as well, you know, have we, con if we're honest, have we confused activity and productivity? We're very active. We're amazingly active. How productive are we? Or are we moving so fast, John, we have no idea how productive we are. And taking that quiet time to really ask yourself, what is my time on this earth all about? What am I called to do? What really matters? These are all great questions, uh, Professor Harry. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, so obvious from what you're sharing with us that, that there is power in these silent retreats. For someone that's never been on a silent retreat that's listening to us this morning, can you kind of take us through it and, and give us a, a, a perspective of what goes on? I know you mentioned the bells and, and, and some spiritual reading, but what's a typical day like uh, for, for these three days? Yeah, so, and again, John, be very open. For some people, if they've never done it before and they're listening to this and they're saying, wow, this is off the deep end, we'll go on a one-day retreat. Um, but the, the, the thought process, and everybody does it differently, but the, the way this works, John, that you may be aware of is what um, St. Ignatius, who, who's the fellow who, the Spanish fellow who 500 years ago started the Jesuits, what he thought was it would be really a good exercise to actually go through the life of Christ from beginning to end. So what happens on this three-day retreat, John, believe it or not, you literally start off with the birth of Christ in Bethlehem, and you walk through readings every couple of hours, every couple of hours, you literally go through his baptism um, at the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Uh, you go up with him to, to Galilee. You're, you're there with him, the Sermon on the Mount. And after each one of those, what the Jesuits do, which is very interesting, is they literally say, John, don't just read it, but actually actually take the time and quiet and think about what would it be like to sitting there on the hill and all of a sudden, you know, they've, they've got a couple of, of, of loaves of, uh, of, uh, of bread and fishes and they're starting to pass it. And you're literally sitting there, okay? You know, then you come into Jerusalem, okay? Uh, and you're, you're taking the walk up to Calvary. You are there. You're there at the cross. You're there. And to literally take the time it does an amazing thing because you actually, it becomes, part of your, it becomes part of your life. It isn't just, oh, I've, I've read this someplace. And then what the, what the Jesuit will do every two or three hours will just give you something to think about, something to reflect on. Um, and that, that, that image of actually being with Christ and why and what you're called to do, I think, comes much more alive than you're talking and just running around. And that's, uh, that's a very, very big piece of it, John. It sounds extremely uh, uplifting. We got so much more to talk about. I want to invite our, our listeners, if uh, you want to share your experience of attending a silent retreat, if you've been on one recently and like to share with us, uh, or perhaps you have a question or a, a comment for Professor uh, Harry Kramer, give us a call, 888-914-9149. We have open lines right now, but they don't stay open very long. So uh, please uh, call us, 888 we're going to take a, a short break, uh, but we are going to continue our conversation with Professor Harry Kramer talking about the power of silence, silent retreat. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. 
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Forty-seven minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for being with us as uh, we are continuing uh, to discuss uh, the benefit and the impact of spending uh, time in a silent retreat, three days in silence, to build a deeper relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. We're chatting with our good friend, Professor Harry Kramer, Professor of Management and Strategy at Kellogg School of Management. Uh, Professor Harry, uh, welcome back. Great. Always, always great to be with you, John. You know, um, I was thinking about uh, the late, great Archbishop Fulton Sheen when I think about silence in prayer. Uh, He spent uh, over 50 years doing what he called the hour of power, praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament in silence. And although that's not a retreat, that is an hour before our Lord. Can you talk about the power of, of praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament in silence during retreats? In fact, we actually do that because at the uh, the Jesuit retreat house in um, in Lake Elmo, Minnesota, they literally have a, a special altar where you can go in, and each of the guys can go in for five, ten minutes any of the days. Uh, and to your point, John, it's just very, very powerful. I mean, he's there with you, and you can listen, and you can think, and you can wonder, you know, what am, what am I called to do? And I think that that power. And again, because we talk so much, John, and we're always running around, a lot of people would say, oh my goodness, how do you deal with that? I got to tell you, John, as a father with five children and a lot of activities, I look so forward to these three days where it's the one time, John, no phone calls, no emails, no laptop. All right. And you realize, you know, for three days and the Jesuit usually says, you know what, the world can get along without you just for either a day or two or three. And that's why I say, start with a day. Or even even try it for a couple of hours, John, um, and and realize you know what you don't always have to be talking, uh, and I think you've already mentioned it in the past that you know there's a reason there's a reason, John, that you know you got two ears and one mouth, and what is so remarkable, John, is that when you go in for meals, just picture 65 men in a uh, um, going into the cafeteria where you have 65 guys sitting at five guys at a table, 13 tables, no one says a word. And you say, well, how could that be? Well, you know, you either pass the salt to somebody, you pass the water, but there is no talking at all. And, and the power of that, where you're sitting with guys, you can either nod, and when you take walks, John, they, they've got a lot of different walking paths. And I find it remarkable that no talking, but you'll see on the path, I always love, there's, there's one particular statue where they've got the quote from Matthew. I think... Uh, uh, it, the quote, I think, is something like, uh, what good does it a man to gain the world and suffer the loss of his soul? And you'll always see, John, one or two men standing there, and they're just listening. And it's almost like, well, what happened? Did, did they lose a spouse? Did they have a child that has a disease? And people will just pat one another on the shoulder, give them a little thumbs up, 
and sometimes somebody will hug somebody. No talking, John, but that, that ability to connect with God and your neighbor in silence. Uh, and what's so interesting is, as I said, some of these retreats, you can go for a day to this three day one. People say, well, is it hard to, to be able to go the one week they go? Well, at the Jesuit retreat house in St. Paul, they do this 48 weekends a year from Thursday at six o'clock until Sunday evening. And I'm actually part of group 46, John, because it's always that that first uh, that first weekend of December. And I'll never miss it, John. I'll never miss it. Wow. Well, you are blessed. And uh, you actually found your wife because of these retreats. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. you're doubly blessed. Um, again, our number, 888 if you'd like to share about your own experiences uh, in silence with our Lord in these silent retreats. Uh, Royal is joining us uh, from the Windy City from Chicago. Good morning, uh, Royal. Is this Counselor Royal. Yes, it is. It's Counselor Royal Bird. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. Fantastic. So good to hear from you. And uh, uh, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, I know you're a huge uh, fan of, of Morning Air and Relevant Radio. Huge fan of yours, John, and Morning Air and Relevant Radio. And Professor Kramer, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I wanted to share with both of you my experience at Bellman Retreat Hall in Barrington, Illinois, which is also a Jesuit retreat house in a terrific, terrific place. My dad was the uh, grand knight of his uh, Knights of Columbus Council on Displains, and he asked me, John, for many years to join him on a silent retreat, and I was always too busy. I was thinking, how can I keep silent for three days? And finally <laughs> I went, and I've been going every year for 35 years, and I want to encourage wow. everyone in the Chicago area to yeah. check out the Bellman Retreat Hall in Barrington. It's a terrific place. Every man has his own room. There's mass every day. There's an opportunity for a private conversation with a, a priest, confession, rosary benediction, and the grounds are just gorgeous. So I'd like to recommend that to all of your listeners. A group from the Knights of Columbus and Elmhurst are, are going uh, this year, January 21st. And, John, we'd love to have you come join us. It's going to be a terrific three-day retreat. Thank you both, and a very Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you. Oh, Merry, thank you. Merry Christmas, Royal. Royal. Uh, Professor Harry, uh, your thoughts? Uh, you talk about a God incidence, 35 years, just like you. Wow, just, just remarkable. And I, and I love what he said because it's very, very similar. You know, you have Mass every day. You have the benediction. Uh, you have the ability to have the sacrament of reconciliation uh, and the fact that you can at any one time sit down one-on-one uh, with with one of one of the Jesuits, a very very similar experience, and I'm thrilled he mentioned that because I got to believe if they do it in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they do it in Chicago, I bet they do it in a, in a lot of other cities around the country, and it makes it something that all of us ought to at least look into, um, because again, it's a it really helps you figure out what your purpose, John, is. It really figures out why am I here, what am I doing, and why. At the end of the day, it's all about our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, that I absolutely love, and it reminds me of the importance of giving our heart uh, to Jesus. You will seek me and find me when you will seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I think this really kind of sums up where our hearts need to be, uh, Professor Harry, uh, to build that deeper relationship with Jesus, especially in silence. Absolutely. No. And encouraging others. I mean, it's, uh, I, it, was, it, was, it was kind of funny. My, uh, we have five children, and some people sometimes were teasing me, saying, well, geez, uh, do, your daughters, do your daughters have boyfriends? And 
one of them said, well, maybe it's because they're afraid that, you know, dad's going to have them go on this, on this Jesuit retreat. <laughs> so and so the fun part of it is, John, my oldest daughter, uh, Susie, uh, got married several months ago. And, and the beauty of it is that with all of the issues during uh, COVID, where, you know, sometimes we couldn't go to mass at the church and we had to do it on Zoom, um, her, her boyfriend, it was wonderful. He had the opportunity to attend mass on Zoom with us, with listening to whether it was Bishop Barron or, you know, Father Mike up in Duluth. And at the end of the day, uh, he, is, uh, he just went through RCIA uh, to become Catholic. And he said, Harry, can I go on this, uh, on this retreat with you? So he literally came with me uh, last week on, our, uh, on the three-day Jesuit retreat. And he said it was the best experience he, he ever had in his life. Fantastic. I just wanted to say uh, this is our last show together here in 2021, uh, taking a little time off uh, during the Christmas holidays uh, with the family. Uh, but uh, I so much appreciate your contributions to uh, to Morning Air, to our show uh, on a regular basis. Uh, you, the, the time that we talked about making the most of every day that we are given uh, left a profound impact on me. I'll never forget that conversation we had, Professor. Well, one, John, I, I so much appreciate it, too. Thank you for everything you do for Morning Air. And I think we're just so blessed with you and Father Rocky and, and the entire team that has such an enormous impact on, on all of our lives. And I think the more people we can get to actually listen to, to Morning Air and, and relevant radio, the, the better the world's going to be, John. So God bless you and your family. And we'll definitely be talking next year. Merry Christmas and a merry blessed rest of Advent. Uh, thank you so much, Professor Harry Kramer. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Two Babies. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in the public schools. They were invited to teach at prisons, businesses, the fire and police departments, and a large orphanage. About 100 boys and girls who'd been abandoned, abused, and left in the care of a government-run program were in the orphanage. They related the following story in their own words. It was nearing the holiday season, 1994, time for our orphans to hear for the first time the traditional story of Christmas. We told them about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem. Finding no room in the inn, the couple went to a stable where the baby Jesus was born and placed in a manger. Throughout the story, the children and orphaned staff sat in amazement as they listened. Some sat on the edges of their stools trying to grasp every word. Completing the story, we gave the children three small pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each child was given a small paper square cut from yellow napkins I'd brought with me as no colored paper was available in the city. Following instructions, the children tore the paper and carefully laid strips in the manger for straw, small squares of flannel, cut from a worn-out nightgown an American lady was throwing away as she left Russia were used for the baby's blanket. A doll-like baby was cut from tan felt we'd brought from the U.S. The orphans were busy assembling their manger as I walked among them to see if they needed any help. All went well till I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six, and he had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one but two babies in the manger. Quickly, I called for the translator to asked the lad why there were two babies in the manger. Crossing his arms in front of him and looking at this completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story very seriously. For such a young boy who'd only heard the Christmas story once, he related the happenings accurately until he came to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. Then little Misha started to ad-lib. He made up his own ending to the story. As he said in one, 
Maria laid the baby in the manger. Jesus looked at me and asked if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa, so no, I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like everybody else did. I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, and I thought about what I had that maybe I could use for a gift. I thought maybe if I kept him warm, that'd be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that'll be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me, and he told me that I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimmed full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks. Putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table, and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. The little orphan had found someone who would never abandon or abuse him, someone who would stay with him for always. From Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Thanks so much, Glenn. Quick reminder, uh, pray the Chapel of Divine Mercy with Drew Mariani this afternoon uh, for all those affected by the devastating tornadoes. And you can also pray the rosary tonight with Father Rocky at 7 p.m. That'll do it. We'll see you tomorrow.